0: Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. I want to read a couple verses to you from, we're going to start in the book of Genesis and we're going to see what Jesus has to say about the subject of relationships today. Last week we spoke about friendships and how really that's the foundation for much of what your life is going to be. But I want to take that next step and delve a little bit deeper into this subject in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, we find God looking down upon his creation, Adam, and it says, the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. So I will, make, I will make him a helper fit for him. It goes on in verse 21, and so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh, and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, this is what the the final verse is, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man... And his wife were both naked and were unashamed. And all the married people said, Amen. You guys are getting awkward already. This, you have no idea how awkward this sermon's gonna get. And let me just let me just say this. Let me just say this. If you're gonna be offended, Samantha helped me with this sermon. So you have to be offended at both of us, not just I wanna read, I wanna read one more verse. The Pharisees were talking to Jesus about about marriage and they were trying to trap him with technicalities and here we find Jesus referencing and affirming the creation story and Jesus, uh, the creation model of marriage And, and Jesus said, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Shall leave his father and his mother, and hold fast to his wife, cling to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Let's pray together. Oh, we pray for these next few moments that you speak right to us, God. Amen. God, we, we thank you so much that you have, you have set us up for success, and, and we look to you, not to the world, not to patterns we've seen before, not even to our parents or our past, but we look to you, God, for our promises. Yes. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray as I speak, will you come and Will you just enlighten us, God, enliven us, Lord? Will you encourage us, or will you help us? God, we give this next few moments to you. No other distractions, nothing else, nothing. No other agendas, nothing else going on. But Lord, we ask you to come and speak. And as I speak, speak through me. In Jesus' name, come on, everyone said. Amen. Amen. We're on this series called Togetherness, and we're talking about relationships, and talking about singleness, and, and dating, and marriage, and family, and and today I want to I want to move from the subject of, of friendship a little bit deeper to to friendship and in, in, in growing relationships and and I I I think we got to understand that there are two decisions in your life that are the most important decisions you will ever make. These decisions will affect your entire your entirety here on earth, and they'll and, and one of them will continue on into your eternity. And if you get these wrong, it's really difficult to begin to get things right afterwards. The two most important decisions you will ever have to make in your life is deciding, number one, if you're going to follow Jesus. Who are you going to worship? Who are you going to dedicate your life to? Who are you going to put above you? And number two, who you decide to marry. I heard one pastor say, who you decide to marry can never make your calling, but it can unmake your calling. Who you decide to marry will have more of an impact in your emotional state your mental state, your economic state, your home state, than any other factor you will ever encounter. This is by far the most important decision you will ever have to make in your life. And some of you are saying, well I already made this decision. Well, the elements that go into now the decision that you made are the most important aspects of your life. We've gotta get this thing right and we've gotta grow in this area and we need God's help in this area. And so today I wanna talk to you about the fact that marriage is God's idea. Marriage is God's idea. You didn't come up with it and God's not against it. God's not trying to hold you back from it. God's not trying to make it difficult. God's not trying to, 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 uh, to hold you back from a girlfriend or a boyfriend. If you're single in this place, that's not God. Marriage is God's idea. He created it. He wants it to be a good thing for you. He wants it to be enjoyable. He wants you to take part of it. It's his relationship. It's his covenant. It's his idea. And his process to get the best is already blessed. His process to get the best person and get the best out of your marriage is already blessed. God has made an ideal pattern. He's made a process. He's made a way. And he shows it to us with the very first marriage that we find in the Bible, with Adam and Eve, and, and all other marriages are just recreations of that first created marriage, Adam and Eve. And so, and so in, order to understand, in order to understand the way that's blessed, we got to kind of go to the beginning and begin to, to look at it piece by piece and let God reveal his way to us. The problem is, many times we in, in culture want to ignore God's systems, do it our own way, then come over here and say, now God bless it. But God says, I've already established a way, I've already made a pattern, I've already created a system, and by the way, it's already blessed. It is pre-blessed. And if you begin to operate in this way, you're gonna be operating in blessings. And and might I add this, be careful who you look at and look to for patterns in the area of relationships and the most important relationship you're gonna ever have in your life. Because let me tell you, culture does not have the ability to bless. Your parents do not have the ability to bless, both positive and negative. I hope you have good uh, 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 parents look to, but even if you don't, that is not the pattern. What you grew up in is not necessarily the pattern. The world is not necessarily the pattern. The, 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 the relationship gurus on YouTube and late night television are not necessarily the pattern. But there is a pattern. It's been tried and tested. It's created by the one that created the purpose for the relationship. And I believe when you begin to engage in this, it's going to be helpful for you. Amen? See, I can tell some of you are nervous already. I believe Adam and Eve reveal the relationship process that God established. So let's go through it. In the beginning, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18... The Bible says that God looked and and he surveyed his creation and he said, you know what? It's not good that man should be alone, which shows me that at the beginning there was a time, there was a season where man was single. There was a season of singleness. And and you got to understand that's a season all of you are going to go through. Maybe you've already been through, but you're going to go through in your life. Singleness is a season. It is not not a terrible season horrible, ungodly, (laughs) torturous. It's a season. It's a season. Engagement is a season. Marriage is a season. And then we move into eternity, right? But singleness is a season. And can I propose to you today, to you young people and young adults in here, can can I propose to you that singleness is an underrated season? See, all the old people said amen that have been married all the young people are like, mm, I don't know. I don't know about that. I think being single is underrated. <laughs> Listen, I, I, would, I would challenge you to take advantage of the gift of singleness. You know, that's what Paul calls it. It's a gift of singleness. You don't understand the benefits of singleness sometimes when you're in it. You know, all the single people want to be married, and all the married people want to be single. <laughs> And the only people who are happy are the engaged people, but they're too stressed about the wedding to even know that they're happy. <laughs> Singleness is a good season. And you don't even realize it until you move out of the season. Then you realize realizing the benefits. Do you know how long it takes for me to go anywhere in my car? <laughs> to get my wife and my two children in a vehicle? It's minimum 20 minutes. That's why... Married people don't go out at night. That's why they don't go anywhere because they're dialing in the numbers. They're saying it's just not worth it. Stay home. It takes 20 minutes. Single people don't understand the blessing of walking outside and getting in their car. It's an incredible, I go on vacation to walk outside and get in the car. That's 90% of the reason my wife and I go on vacation is to drive our car whenever we want to. The single people, you gotta understand that the the season you're in is is an incredible one. It's an exciting one. It's it's, it's where you can can have friends and stay out late and go to Buffalo Wild Wings at 10 o'clock. That's unthinkable for the rest of us. (laughs) Your your, your birthday party, it's all your friends start at 9:30. My friend invited me the other day to his birthday party at 9:30. I was like, 9:30, that's past bedtime. Are you crazy? What kind of person are you? Single people. You can go to concerts, you can go to conferences, you can fly across the nation. If you decide tonight I wanna go to Norway, it's a $300 ticket. You could be in Norway tonight. And you think, no, I have too many responsibilities. No, you don't. You actually don't. It's incredible how powerful this season is. You know how many mission trips you single people can go on? You can go to Papua New Guinea for like three months. No one will even notice that you're not here. When you get back, you're like, yeah, I was just working for the Lord. And they are like, I haven't seen you in a couple weeks. Were you working in the kids' room? Oh, no, I was in, I was in Papa. <laughs> you can go on say, so, you know, you can change jobs eight times. No one cares. No one cares. Your employer kind of expects it. You walk in, hey, they're like, all right, okay, move on. <laughs> it's a beautiful season. But can I say this? You have a say in the season. The, the season of singleness can, can either be a season of preparation Or it can be a season of desperation. And preparation will set you up for progress, but desperation will set you up to settle, for mediocrity. I would challenge you to not see singleness as a curse, but see it as a blessing, see it as a time, and then let God look down at the proper time and say, you know what? Okay, now, now we got to move him on. You know, he's looking down at Adam and he's saying like, man, he's been laying in that spot for three days. Now we got to move him on. From the season of singleness to the next season, which begins to move towards towards marriage. And and so God decides, he says, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a helper fit for him. I'm going to make someone perfectly fit for him. Do you know that you were made with someone in mind? You were created by God with someone in mind. God's looking at Adam and he loves Adam. And he says, you know what, I don't want loneliness or isolation to overtake him, so I'm going to create someone, and I love this word, that will be helpful for him. Do you know that's your purpose in life, is to be helpful, not just to those out there, not just to people who need it out there, not just at your job, but within your relationship, within your marriage, your purpose to each other, man to woman, woman to man, is to be helpful to each other, is to add to each other. And helpful to each other means that there's got to be some sacrifice. There's got to be some laying down of self. There's got to be some giving. There's got to be some allowances. There's got to be some compromise. There's got to be less of you and more of them. Helpful means you become more significant. The significant other becomes more significant than the other. You are now more significant than me. And I'm going to begin to help you. See, this is where we go wrong with marriage. Because many people get into marriage thinking, I'm going to get something out of this marriage. You are going to help me because that's why this whole thing works. But I don't know if I'm going to help you. Maybe we wouldn't even say it that way. But many, especially younger people, they go into marriage thinking, this is about me getting fulfilled. This is about me getting pleased. This is about me getting what I wanted. This is about me. And this is about you completing me. When the reality is God say, no, 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 I'm I'm gonna complete someone with you. I'm creating you to help, to sacrifice, to give. Listen, this is why your relationships, if you have the wrong marriage mindset, your marriage is always going to be filled with frustration. If you're always pulling and the other person's always pulling and there's a tug of war constantly going on in the kitchen. And that's why you get petty and you start arguing about dumb little things that you could just Google the answer. No, but it's not about that. It's about self. But Jesus, and God's given us the example right away, if you could set your mindset right that you're here to help. Right. Now, all of the sudden, blessings begin to be multiplied on each other. Yeah. Yeah. Blessings begin to get multiplied on each other. I, I think, I think marriage, is a, marriage is a construct that God gives us to teach us sacrifice. Yeah. My wife and I, we've been married eight years, seven years. <laughs> all right, okay. <laughs> I'm a speaker, not a mathematician, people. <laughs> what is it though, quick? <laughs> eight years. <clears throat> She's saying, yes, it's seven, eight years. So I can't, <laughs> I can't figure it out here. We'll talk about it later, okay? I just need help. Kidding. <laughs> seven years, eight in June. And so, but it's amazing how long it took for me to understand that this whole thing's not about me. It's incredible how long it takes for God. To begin to strip you away in order that the two can become one. Because if you're full of yourself, you'll never ha- be able to have room for the two to become one. All right. You're not saying amen, but that's okay. I'm going I'm to get you. I'm going to get you. No, I got more. I got more. Here's the mindset. What can I add to this person instead of what can I get from this person? Here's the problem. When someone's self-centered in a relationship, everyone wants out of that relationship. Everyone wants out. No one wants to be around self-centered people, but when you begin to be helpful and loving and sacrificial, everyone wants in on that relationship. Look what the writer in Proverbs says. He says, it's better to live alone in the corner of an attic than with a quarrelsome wife in a lovely home. He's saying, it is better to live in the corner of an attic than in a mansion with someone that always wants to fight. Listen, God wants to gift you to someone, not inflict you on someone. Look at this verse in Proverbs 31. Speaking of the husband, Bible says uh, Proverbs 31, woman is, is, so, is so, um, so built by God that her husband can trust her and she will greatly enrich his life. The wives gotta know that when a, a good husband finds a good wife, they begin to enrich each other. He can trust her. She can trust him. And there's a beneficial thing that begins to be stirred up I hope you upgrade your husband's life. And then I hope he upgrades your ring. That's a fair. That's a a fair trade. Let me ask you. Let me ask you this. In marriage or in relationships, do you drive people to the attic or do you upgrade and enhance their life? I want to be someone that's helpful. I want to be someone that's encouraging. I want to be someone that's trustworthy and faithful. I want to enhance the people around me. And those are the pi- people around me that are not looking for a corner to escape me, but they want to be a part of my life. This doesn't just affect marriage. It affects every single relationship in your life. Come on, what do you add? Look at what God He moves, moves on. And God, God says, okay, you know what? So not only is it, is it time for me to bring someone together for you, what I have to do first is, is the Bible says that, that the Lord God caused the deep sleep to fall upon Adam. It's almost as if God's saying, like, i got, I got to do some work over here, but you got to stay the heck out of it, Adam. You're going to screw it up. Because there's a formation process that God has to do. I'm reminded of that verse in Song of Solomon that says, do not awaken love before it's time. Why? Because God is going to form the man, and he's going to form the woman. And he forms them separately before he brings them together. This is why I always say to, to, to young people when I preach in youth ministry, like, you're not going to marry the girl that you're dating. You're 15, and you only know, like, a grand total of 80 girls. <laughs> Listen, God's still forming you. God's still forming you. And some of us, it takes a long time for God to form us. But God, what God does is he says, before, before you're, you're fully uh, formed, I'm not going to bring you together with someone if you're not yet fully formed, because then they have to finish forming you. And they can't be God. But God says, come over here on the side. Come over here. Let's have a season. This is what singleness is for. A season for you to be formed in your character. For you to be formed in your emotions. Come on, for you to be formed in your responsibility. He's going to form you. And this is why in Song of Solomon, the woman says to young women, as she's describing this incredible marriage, she says, but don't awaken love before it's time. Be fully formed before you allow God to bring you together. Uh, What what is she saying? She's saying don't allow anxiety to determine the timeline of your relationships. Don't allow fear to determine because if you listen to fear and not the father, if you listen to fear, you will end up with a half-formed person and you will be a half-formed person yourself. You say, why is this not working? Because you didn't allow God to build the proper things in you that you needed in order to complete them. He put the man to sleep. Do, Do you notice this? This is a process of separation. Yeah. Process of separation. What is God doing? He's creating a boundary right. between the man and the woman. Mm-hmm. Tells, he tells Adam, you go to sleep right now. Here's the boundary. Adam's asleep over here as God is fashioning Eve yeah. over here. Right. This is a boundary. It's the physical boundary that God's creating. I want you to know or, or hear me. This is how God works. He works yeah. in structure. He works in order, and he works in boundaries. Right. I think because sometimes we want to just think all of relationships is just love. It's a fountain of love, and it's all about love. And love, 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 love. But God's saying, no, there's process, there's boundaries, there's structure, there's order. Right? I mean, think about it. When God created light and darkness, he separated them. That's a boundary, day and night. When he created water and land, he separated them. This far, no further. That's a boundary. When he created uh, the garden and all the food, but God says, but don't touch that one fruit. That's a boundary. All throughout creation, we see God setting order and setting boundaries for proper, healthy, fulfilling relationships. And right at the beginning, God is saying there needs to be boundary. Now you're saying, I've never ever heard of boundaries in dating in the world. Yeah, well, you've never heard of great relationships in the world either. There's a better way to do this. Can you tell I'm cynical? Some of you are saying, I disagree. Pastor's gonna be here next week. We'll see what he has to say. He'll correct anything I'm saying wrong. There are boundaries. I just, want you to, I just want you to hear me. I don't think boundaries are old school. I don't think they're out of fa- fashion. I don't think they're out of date. I actually think that God, they have, that God has them for a purpose. All the married people are clapping. All the single guys are like, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> you know, yesterday I came to the church to study. And, and uh, when, I, when I pulled up, there was, there was someone that was kind of test driving a truck. And, and it seemed a little odd, you know, and so I'm really watchful kind of over the property, so I stayed right within the door, and I'm, I'm kind of watching what's happening, and the, the, the son got out of the side, the father got in the, in, in, in the driver's seat, and, and he began to squeal around the parking lot, just screaming around the side, and I'm saying, like, man, this is crazy fast, and what he did was he jumped the barrier over here and went on the grass, and then he almost hit a minivan from our staffer that was parked. Jumped another barrier, then jump, jumped a the mulch barrier and, and, you know, whipped around in that far parking lot. So I was furious, <laughs> as, you, as you might have been able to guess. I jumped in my car, and I screamed after him. I put my window down. I pointed to him. Stop. So much authority, you know. It's like I became Elijah. Stop that car. And he pulled up and he said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So what do you think you're doing? And he goes, oh, sorry, sorry, I didn't know, I didn't know. I said, this, this is private property. He said, this is church property. You're driving all over the grass. And he, goes, oh, he goes, oh, sorry, no, I, I didn't know. He said, I was, I was test driving this new vehicle, and, you know, I, I don't know how to operate it yet. This is a 50-year-old man with a full white beard. I said, come on. You don't know how to drive in a straight line? <laughs> and he goes, "Oh, all right. say, get off the property!" Get off. <laughs> but I think I think sometimes with relationships we're a lot like that guy. I think sometimes with relationships we're doing our own thing, crossing any boundary we want to cross. We're flying. It doesn't matter what kind of chaos we get into or dangerous situations we're getting in, ripping up things all around us. And when God chases us down, chastens us, (laughs) says, "What do you think we're doing?" We say the same dumb excuses to God. Oh God, sorry, I didn't know. You know, God, ah, you know, it's a new relationship, God, and we're just trying to test it out and. You know, I don't know. I didn't really know what the boundaries were, God. And, you know, like, and I'm, I'm a guy. I'm a guy. You know, I can't, I can't really control myself. What do you want me to control myself? Come on, you know. I, I didn't know. You know how dumb you sound? <laughs> God's saying, you're an adult man. You know what the boundaries are? You know how to drive in a straight line? You know how to operate this vehicle that God has given you? Come on. Don't buy in to the stupidity of your own excuses when you violate what you know. You know. You know what the boundaries are. You know what they look like. You know what? You got the Holy Spirit that lets you know when you are operating recklessly. He lets you know. Hey, that's not it. Holy Spirit will let you know. That's not the one. That's not the person. That's not the place. That's not the group. And might I even add your son, Your daughter. They're going to be sitting in the seat next to you, and they're going to begin to see this is how we model relationships. Yeah. I pray that you and I are able to begin to take the true responsibility of the fact that no, God has trusted us with this. Yeah, we can handle this. Yeah. We're not going to tear up one pr- property after another. Yeah. Jesus says, I bought you with a price. You're my property. Yeah. Think about what, what the proverb says. The writer of Proverbs says, do not move. Do not remove the ancient boundary which your forefathers have set up. Do not remove, do not violate, do not bring weak excuses before a holy God and think think they're going to be acceptable. God's saying, I've set up a certain way that this thing operates, and I've put it in your heart, and you know. And even if you don't understand why, and even if it sounds a little outdated, don't remove that ancient boundary. It is set up there for you to be able to have success and flourish in your relationships, that your kids can have success and flourish in their relationship. Don't pull up to God and say, what, God, I didn't know. God's going to say, no stinking way. You did know, right. and I'm expecting more of you. Yeah. And the church said, yeah. Amen. All right, so here's some, some prerequisites for a relationship. Before before God brought Adam to Eve, and before God brought Eve to Adam, because by the way, it's God, it's God who brings people together. It's God who brings people together. It's God who brings people together. Do you know that Tinder made $1.2 million last year from people buying more extra swipes? And yet nobody's getting any better at relationships. It's God who brings people together. But let me tell you, if you have to chase and chase and chase and chase, the person you catch might not be the person you want to catch. And by the way, the bait that you use determines the type of person that you catch. How you catch them is how you're going to have to keep them. Think on that. (laughs) But it's God who will bring people together if you'll trust him and if you'll submit to his process. And you'll submit to his timing. And here's some prerequisites that I believe we see God do with Adam before he ever brings Eve. The first thing we see is that Adam has a relationship with God. That Adam is a friend with God. Adam has his own relationship with God. He's walking in the garden. He's talking in the garden. Before Adam and Eve get together, God needs to have friendship, relationship with Adam. Here's here's the point. Is this man saved? Is he saved? Listen, if you have to bring him to church, God's not bringing him to you. Can he go to church on his own without you picking him up? (laughs) Does he have a relationship with God? Can I even add to this? Is he serving in the church? Is he a pillar in the community? Do other people say, I know that dude. I can vouch for that guy. He's got character. He's got strength. He, he's, got a, he's got stability in his emotions. Is there a relationship with God that is already there? Because in order for God to bring them to you, in order for God to bring Adam to you, he has to know Adam. And Jesus will say it to people. He'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. And they say, but God, we did a lot of stuff in your name. But see, there wasn't a relationship. Before you have a relationship between a man and a woman, you need to make sure that woman and that man have a relationship with God. The second prerequisite we see is that God had given Adam an identity. Number one, he had named him. The father brings identities. The father's Purpose in life is to bring identity to the son and the daughter. And we see God name Adam. He brings identity to him. Hear me. You don't want to you don't want to get together with someone who doesn't know who they are yet. You certainly don't want to marry someone that doesn't have their identity fully formed yet. Because they might form their identity 3, 6 years into marriage and they might turn out a certain way, certain person that's unlike the person that you uh, went into covenant relationship with in marriage. You want to make sure, oh, look, they don't have to be perfect, but they have to kind of know who they're going to be, what God has made them to be. What's their purpose? What's their calling? And, and, and through that process of identity, then God can say, okay, now I can bring you two together, but if you don't know who you are, I can't bring her to you or you to him because 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 you're just gonna screw each other up. Uh, let, me, let me put it this way, you want this young man, woman, you want this young man to have identity because you, don't, you wanna be his wife, you wanna be his girlfriend, not his mom. Not his mom. And hear me, hear me, adulthood is not necessarily manhood. There has to be a process where character is formed, purpose is formed, calling is formed, responsibility is formed, values are formed, work ethic is formed, stability is formed, That comes from God where he says, I'm going to name you. I'm going to put my stamp on you. I'm going to set you apart. I'm going to give you identity. Hear me, there has to be character before there's commitment. And the third thing we see that God did is he gave him a job. (laughs) All right, moving on. God gave him a job. I I, I think that, um, I think that, that God wants to put you with someone who's responsible and reliable and reliable. And I think that's who you want to have. You say, I just love him. I, I get that. But you guys are going uh, to have an apartment together and love doesn't pay any bills. <laughs> Let's move on before I get in more trouble. What else does God do? All right, I like this part. I'm going to end in a moment here. But, but look at what God does. God woke, God woke Adam up. He woke him up to her. And then he says, At last. (laughs) You never read that in Genesis, huh? He wakes up and he sees her and he goes, Woo! Ha! Oh! At last! Been hanging out with all these dumb animals. Oh my God! Woo! You thought Etta James wrote that song. That was Adam at last, baby, my love has come along. My lonely days are over. He sees her, and what does he see? He sees a resonance. He, he, his love awakens. And I'm telling you, I think God does want you to have that moment in the dating process where you say, this is the one. Now, I don't know, for those of you who are married, if, you have, if you've had that moment. For me, I remember when I saw my wife it's actually when I saw her for the very first time. I'm not saying that everyone needs to have love at first sight, but for me, I definitely did. I was a teenager. We were in, at a conference. I was a young, young man, and I, I, was, uh, I was outside in the lobby, and I saw this girl come out of the bathrooms, and she had giant yellow cleaning gloves, and she was holding all the bathroom supplies because she just finished the, the ba- cleaning the bathroom at a conference, you know? And she walked out, and no one was even talking to her, and she was smiling, you know? And I remember I saw her, and in my heart, I said, that's my wife. That's my wife. I knew it. I didn't tell her that. That would be crazy. Hey, God told me. Come here. God told me. No. But in my heart, I woke up, and I said, at last. Now, it took me five years to convince her at last, but I worked on it. You know, the chase was worth the, the reward. For those of you who are mar- at married have you had at, 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 for those of you who are married do you remember that moment for those of you who are dating have you had that moment yet where you say this, this is who I've been waiting for and I would challenge you Valentine's Day is coming up I would challenge you at Valentine's Day when you take her out and you will take her out uh, <laughs> tell her about that moment tell each other about that moment you say we've been married 30 years they know it yeah but there's something about reawakening that first love Tell her about that moment where you woke up. You woke up and said, at last. And what I'll do, you do that, and what I'll do is I'll schedule a baby dedication nine months from now at the <laughs> church. We'll de- dedicate all those, all those Valentine's babies. Deal? You know, see, this is, the, this is the dating process here. Talked about singleness, talked a little bit about marriage, and, but, but God actually gives us gives us a glimpse into what the dating process should look like. The next verse here says this. He says, at last, bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. What is he recognizing? He's recognizing an internal connection, an internal connection between the two. When he says, at last, he says, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, he's saying, he's saying, you are your own unique person and yet you're a part of me. Bible says that God took a rib from the man and fashioned the woman. She's her own unique person, and yet there's a missing part of him that's in her, and and there's a a part of her that's missing from him, and and, and when when God brings them together, he recognizes that. He says, man, there's something internal, bone of my bone, that's internal, flesh of my flesh. It's not just physical attraction. I I hope that's there, but I'm telling you, that is going to fade, and for some of you, it's going to fade sooner rather than later. Okay, all right, move on. The physical is going to fade. There has to be a depth. There has to be a a deeper thing than just desire. There has to be somewhere you recognize, this is the one that I've been waiting for. There's a resonance in my heart. There's a resonance in my soul. You begin to recognize that resonance. The missing part of me is you. C.S. Lewis says this about friendship. He says, friendship is born at the moment. When one person says to another, what? You too? I thought no one but myself. That's even truer for the person you're going to marry. That you begin to recognize more and more saying, I can't believe there's this depth of resonance. I hope that you're friends. I hope you make each other laugh. I hope you like each other. You could be opposites, but I hope that there's a shared resonance in your heart and in your soul because that is what, that is, what is going to build a healthy, long-lasting marriage. And what is dating? Dating is a process of rec- recognizing that resonance. Dating is a process of you finding out, are you bone of my bone? Or are you flesh of my flesh? And in order to do that, hear me, you have to have a process. You have to have a process that you go through. In other words, in order to recognize that, you have to have conversations with this person. You know what I'm saying? You can't just text them and swipe and right doesn't do it. You have to have real actual human, I'm talking to the millennials now, real actual human face-to-face conversations with them. You have to, you have to talk and say, is, is there something resonating deep? You have to talk to their friends and their family. This is how to date friends and their family and find out how do they treat waiters? How do they treat their mom? How do they treat their dad. What are their friends like? Because they're gonna end up looking like their friends. And if you say, I wouldn't date any of their friends, well then you gotta be careful about dating them because they're gonna turn out exactly like their friends. You have to give it time to understand is there a recognizing of a resonance deep within them? Because hear me, red flags should not be ignored. Okay, all right, all right. I know know, uh, some of you say, I'm not dating, move on Jordan. But I've got one more thing, listen. Listen, some of us, can I say, dating is a job interview. It's the most important job this person's ever going to have in their life. You need to make sure that you wouldn't interview someone who's going to babysit your kids more thoroughly than you interview the person who's going to make your babies. You know what I'm saying? This person's going to be in your house day and night. This person's going to be around you day and night. And if they've got a little alcohol problem now, you need to be very careful about that because they're going to be in your home day and night. If, if they've got a little anger issue now, you need to make sure you don't just say, ah, what? He throws a plate every once in a while. <laughs> Who doesn't? Lots of people don't. Lots of people. You need to recognize, is that out of resonance? Is that me? Am I, am I do I got plate thrown in me too? Because if not, I got to be honest about the red flags, but he's so good looking, but she's so beautiful. I got it. But you're going to be with this person for a long time. And your children are going to be around this person for a long time. And your emotional state in your home is going to be determined by this person and this person alone. Make sure that there's a bone of bone, flesh of flesh, heart of heart, soul of soul connection. Amen? Amen. This person will be with you on the worst day of your life and on the best day of your life. You want to make sure that they are put there by God for you. We've got one last verse in Genesis 2, verse 25. The Bible says this, And the man and his wife, after God brought them together in the covenant of marriage, they were naked and unashamed. And all the married people say, It's the best part of the sermon, everybody. Marriage is God's idea. He doesn't want you to have to be filled with guilt and shame in your relationships, brokenness and hurt. God's goal is freedom. God's goal is unity. God's goal is love. God's goal is liberty. And when God brings people together, you don't have to be ashamed. You don't have to hide anything. It doesn't have to be filled with terror or weirdness or guilt or condemnation. When it's God that brings people together and you go through that process, you get to be unashamed. You get to enter into a joyful thing. Gets to be an awesome, oh no, no, not a perfect thing because you're two imperfect people. But when God begins to form you and God begins to bring you together, it begins to be a holy thing. And yes, you're gonna have to work on it. There has to be gonna have to be a lot of forgiveness, and there's gonna have to be a lot of compromise, and there's gonna be a lot of change, but you're in this thing together, and you know you brought God brought you to me, and God brought me to you. And together we're gonna enjoy this incredible gift that God has given us called marriage. Marriage is God's idea, and his goal is freedom and, his, and enjoyment. His process to get the best is already blessed. I pray the relationships in our church, they're blessed single, dating, marriage, I pray they're blessed, blessed, blessed. Every single season, I pray that you're able to be healthy in the right season at the right time, that the Holy Spirit will lead you, he will guide you, and I do pray our marriages in this church grow stronger and stronger because the community is based always on the home, and I pray your kids are able to see not perfect people or a perfect marriage, but a marriage that has God in the midst. Think of it, your marriage shows a Your marriage is a picture of God. God is a trinity, three in one. God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and and, and God the Son. And that's what marriage is. It's the man and the woman and God in the midst. God is showing you what he's like through this beautiful relationship. You're two, the Bible says, but Jesus says, but really when you come together, you're one. It's a beautiful mystery where God is giving you a piece of what heaven is gonna look like. And so I pray, I pray that God's hand of blessing is on our relationships. Amen.